Hello, and welcome to the High Street Community Church Podcast. We're so excited you're learning alongside us, and we pray this message leads you closer to the Lord and others. High Street Community Church is simply a family of friends following Jesus. God bless you as you listen. The truth is, is that we all need God. We all need Him desperately, but we don't always realize that. We get stuck, <laughs> stuck in a mood, stuck in a place where we just need Him to, to break us out. And um, our verse for this series that we've been studying this morning is taken from 1 John, which says... Um, that fathers, I have, um, Paul is commending the young men and the fathers and, and different people in chapter 2, verse 14. And, um, and he says to the fathers, you who have known him who is from the beginning. And um, so I wanted us to pray this prayer um, that we might know him. time I feel that I've been caught in the mire of self and just the time I feel my mind's been bought by worldly wealth that's when the breeze begins to blow I know the spirit's call just melt into his love and oh I want to know you more deep within my soul I want to know you oh I want to know you to feel your heart and know your mind looking in your eyes stirs up within me cries that say I want to know you Oh, I want to know you more. And when my daily deeds ordinarily lose life and song, heart begins to bleed sensitivity to him is gone I've run the race but set my own pace and face a shattered soul now the gentle arms of Jesus warm my hunger to be whole to know you more deep within my soul I want to know you 
I want to know you To feel your heart and know your mind Looking in your eyes stirs up within me Cries that say I want to know you Oh, I want to know you And I would give my final breath To know you in your death and resurrection Oh, I want to know you more Oh, I want to know you more Oh, I want to know you Um, let, me, let me pray. That was just a really sweet song, and I want to respond to what God's doing. Um, we just turn our hearts to you this morning, Jesus. Um, man, I just love uh, that, those words. Joe came up to me this morning and mentioned he's doing this song, and I, I thought I knew it, but I didn't. You know that that was a, a really, really surprising and sweet um, mingling of of our hearts and the hardness of our lives and the distractions that we encounter with who you are, Jesus, and just that heart-rending desire to have you, um, to have your power and your presence and your work in our lives. And um, I'm surprised, just again, in my heart being tugged at that this morning, um, I just think of Jesus standing there and saying uh, to the crowds, like, I have rivers of living water for you. Jesus, come to me. Um, and I feel like that, that song put that into words that deep desire to have those rivers flowing through our lives um, and washing us clean. And, and that's you, Holy Spirit. I love that you've already been invited here by so many people already this morning and our prayers and our thoughts and, and the leadership and the songs. And we do just now, in, in, as we study your word, invite you to be here with us. How we need you. How we need to hear your voice. How we need you just to even understand the Bible understand ourselves and our lives and uh, I thank you that you have come um, that you came with Jesus and that you've come for us and so we just give you place this morning to do what you want to do um, and to do it the way you want to do it and I'm super glad that I get to be up here talking but I'd really be disappointed if you didn't speak um, to each of us this morning so would you come do that? And we just make ourselves available to you to whatever extent we're able to do that this morning. Um, we just open up the door um, to what you want to be doing. And, uh, and we do appreciate you. We love you. And uh, we want to respond. Um, so help us to do that. I pray this in your name. Amen. All right. Um, so I'm Dave. I, I've been up here a couple other times. And I get to teach this morning, which is such a pleasure. And I also um, am the office manager here at High Street, so I see most of you are at some point or another in the office there. And you're always welcome to come in and say hi. Uh, my wife and I have been here for like two and a half years. She's over there, Carrie in the purple. You can wave and say hi. Um, she is wonderful. We help run uh, the college group, which has been such a reward for us um, to know those students. And uh, we're also beginning a ministry called Soul Care here. 
and that's also been very rewarding, and we're, we're honored, really, to have this church um, stand beside us and affirm that, and also, like, support us and back us up in launching that ministry. Um, so, as you probably know, we're going through a series called Live Our Best Life um, on the graphic, and it's also probably in your bulletin. It's, uh, it's got a Y crossed out, so it's Live Your Best Life with the Y crossed out, because there's an emphasis on our, um, on us doing this together, and we're going through the book of 1 John. It's really short. Danny has encouraged everyone to read through it. It's about five chapters, and in most Bibles, it's about three pages long. So you could read through it fast, but it's packed with really cool truths. And um, Danny had told me that when he was thinking about this, that he wanted our church to spend some time remembering just the foundations, the beginnings of our faith, like why we believe what we believe, and then to really learn to live that together. So that's why we hacked off the why on that, and we're learning to live our best life. Because you can't live your your best life without living it together with other people, right? So um, Danny's taught through this a little bit already. He's talked about the manifested life. So it's the life of Jesus that came as the Son of God and came to us in the body, in the flesh, and um, died and on our behalf, and uh, rose again, and all of the things that are included in the Gospels, um, the first John highlights at the beginning. So Danny talked about Jesus manifesting, that God came, and they talked about the illuminated life, that God is light, and that through Jesus we actually see the light of God, and we're invited into light. We're invited into this illuminated life where um, I think Danny talked about God proclaiming who he is to us, us confessing, like Sharon had us do, our sins and our struggles before him, him forgiving us, and then us being cleansed. So there's this kind of like living the light pattern, um, illuminated life, and then the true life. And uh, Daniel talked about this last week where we, now that we've like been washed and cleaned and stepped into a relationship with Jesus, we also wonder like, wait, is this true? Like, how do I know that this is like a valid reality? I mean, it's pretty great. Um, and so he talks about how as we keep Jesus's commands, as we walk as he did, and as we love like him, we realize oh, I am a, I'm a real Christian, you know, this is my life. Um, so today, uh, we get to talk a little bit more about First John, and um, I get to teach on the abiding life. So if you're going through your notes, that's the first big blink on there, um, the abiding life. And uh, Soul Care, which is a ministry Carrie and I do, love the idea of abiding. And that's an old word. Um, but it's a cool idea. I think it's really powerful, and, uh, but it's hard to put into words, and, and it's hard to put into words for a couple reasons, which we'll discuss a little bit more um, today. John Eldridge uh, said just going, uh, he said that it, he was trying to explain how hard it is just to keep this abiding life going, and he said, just try going one day, keeping God's love for you always on your mind, every minute, every moment. And for most of us, I don't know, for me this morning, I, I mean, I woke up hoping to be present and aware of who God was, and just within the first half an hour, I'm distracted by my phone, my dog comes in and wants to go on a walk, and then he wants breakfast, and I'm like trying to, you know, take extra notes on my sermon, and it's just like already my mind's like off of, oh, God loves me, you know, um, or God, God wants to work through me, you know, all that stuff, and so it's hard, and, but at the same time, Scripture calls us to this, so we're in like this tension of that. Um, and Carrie and I, through Soul Care, we do, uh, we're offering spiritual direction. It's this one-on-one -on -one time with people, 
And as I've done this with people, it's really cool uh, to talk through each of our experiences with God's presence and, and uh, that sense of God loving me. But almost everybody comes in with one or two or many areas where they're not experiencing or struggling to experience that sense of God abiding with them in their day-to-day life. And that, I mean, that's what we love about soul care. That's what we love about church. Um, abide, for those of you who don't know, is a really old word that means to remain, to continue, to endure, to outlast. It's from the old word abode. Does anyone know what abode means? Home, right? Yeah, so it's like, uh, it's, it's the present tense of home. So it's like, I'm homing. It's making a verb out of home, right? So I'm, I'm homing, it would be I'm abiding. I'm making home in life right now. I'm making home. So if we're abiding with God, I'm making home with God in my life, in my body. And, um, my Heart Cries Home, raise your hand if you're familiar with that little pamphlet. It's really great, and uh, I think it gives this really cool picture of abiding. So I wanted, for those of us who are not familiar with the word, to give a picture of it. Um, the, my Heart Cries Home is a story about a man who's picturing his heart as God, as the home that he's inviting Jesus into. And his heart has these different rooms. And uh, so at this point, he's going into the living room with Jesus, the living room of his heart. So this is what it says. Uh, this room was intimate, comfortable. I liked it. It had a fireplace, overstuffed chairs, a sofa, and a quiet atmosphere. He said, that's Jesus, this is indeed a delightful room. Let us come here often. It is secluded and quiet, and we can fellowship together. Well, as a young Christian, I was thrilled. I couldn't think of anything I would rather do than have a few minutes with Christ in close companionship. He promised, I will be here early every morning. Meet me here, and we'll start the day together. So morning after morning, I would come downstairs into the living room. He would take a book of the Bible from the case. We would open it and read together. He would unfold to me the wonder of God's saving truths, my heart sang as he shared the love and grace he had towards me. These were wonderful times. However, little by little, under the pressure of many responsibilities, this time began to be shortened. Why? I'm not sure. I thought I was too busy to spend regular time with Christ. This was not intentional, you understand. It just happened that way. Finally, not only was the time shortened, but I began to miss days now and then. Urgent matters would crowd out the quiet times of conversation with Jesus. I remember one morning rushing downstairs, eager to be on my way. I passed the living room and noticed that the door was open. Looking in, I saw a fire in the fireplace, and Jesus was sitting there. Suddenly, in dismay, I thought to myself, He is my guest. I invited him into my heart, and he has come as my savior and friend, and yet I am neglecting him. I stopped, turned, and hesitantly went in. With a downcast glance, I said, Master, forgive me. Have you been here all these mornings? Yes, he said. I told you, I would be here every morning to meet with you. Remember, I love you. I've redeemed you at a great cost. I value your fellowship. Even if you cannot keep the quiet time for your own sake, do it for mine. So I, I think that's a beautiful picture of making home with Jesus. Um, and, and I'm, I'm not necessarily saying everyone needs to have quiet times. There's lots of different ways to meet with the Lord. But meeting with God is what's important. Abiding, making home with him uh, is what we're talking about this morning. So this brings us to what we're um, looking at in 1 John. So we're going to learn uh, 
Sorry, I can't even read my own handwriting. Learn what God, we're going to learn what God did to bring us into his light and love. So we don't, by our own efforts, abide. God and Jesus brought us into an abiding relationship with him, but it is up to us to continue to participate in that relationship. So our question for us is, how do we live out what Jesus has already done for us? How do we abide with God? So we're going to read the actual passage that we're studying, and then I'll pray for us. Um, But why don't you guys, if you feel comfortable, you're welcome to read along, or just let me read it over you, okay? So whatever would be uh, more comfortable for you. Um, I'm going to read 1 John chapter 2, verses 12 through 17. I'm writing to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. I'm writing to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I'm writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. I write to you, children, because you know the Father. I write to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you are strong, and the word of God abides in you, and you have overcome the evil one. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. Let's take a sec to just pray after that. Um, Jesus, we love your word. We love hearing your truth. Um, It's also sometimes hard to absorb. It hits us um, at our minds, and uh, we don't always know how to let it get to our hearts. So we just ask for your help this morning, Holy Spirit, um, for these things to get into our hearts and into our lives. Um, We love the things you say about us, and we just want to spend this time in the living room Um, of our church and living room of our hearts abiding with you together and ask for your help to know what this looks like to live these things out. In your name we pray. Amen. So if you guys have noticed as you've read 1 John, um, the text pacing shifts here. Um, It almost sounds like a poem. So John's been going on um, about God being light and then us being invited in and that through confession and being open in our relationship with God, his light can flood us and we can be cleansed and we can love on other people. Oh, jeez. And, uh, and so that is amazing, but the text here suddenly shifts. It's, and if, even if you look at the, the way that the ESV lays it out, they, they lay it out almost like a poem because the, the, the actual sound of the words changed and there's repetition. And so he goes like, you know, I'm writing to you little children. I'm writing to you fathers. I'm writing to you young men. And then he says it again. Um, and he starts addressing these groups. Um, So what I think is interesting, if this were an actual letter we had received as a church, and it was being read out loud, it would suddenly zone in. It would focus in on the group or or even you as a person. So John has been saying these really big, important things, and now these big truths are suddenly focused on you. So it would be like, little children, pay attention, you know, Young men, women, pay attention. Fathers, mothers, mentors, pay attention. You know, so he's drawing the listener in to these words 
and he's saying big truths. Um, it's almost like if Gandalf walked in. You guys don't know Gandalf from Lord of the Rings. This big, he's an old wise mentor. He's got a lot of spiritual power or whatever, magical power. But Gandalf also, if, if Frodo is here, he knows Frodo's heart. Um, he's been through the battle with him. Um, he's set the trajectory you know, for that journey that they've been on. And this is the same with John. John's the same way. He, he knows the hearts of who he's talking to. He set the trajectory for this community. And now he's like, you, you know, I'm talking to you, you know, with a big staff and a beard. Um, and he's speaking to their heart. And, he's, and he uses these identity declarations um, slash confessions. And I've noted that in your, um, in your notes. Um, they're identity declarations or confessions. They're truth statements about who you are because of what Jesus has done. So you've been invited into this abiding life, and now he's saying, this is who you are. He's already said it, like almost all of these things he's said once, but now he's saying it to you. And um, they're so big that I wouldn't be surprised if some of us felt, I felt this too, wait, am I, am I really these things? Am I really... Are my sins really forgiven for his name's sake? Can I really be forgiven for blank? You know, or do I really know him who's from the beginning of time? Like, really? Can I, can I know that? Like, or uh, I've overcome the evil one? Do you guys feel like that all the time? Right? It almost feels like that way. You know, the evil one's overcome me. Uh, but this is, these are the declarations, John speaking into the heart of his community. Uh, he says, you know the Father. What? Like, I know the God who made the universe, like, outside of time. Um, you know, you are strong. Well, I feel weak. So there's, there's these big statements, and I don't know about you, but my heart sometimes says, wait, am I really those things? Uh, and, and especially, I think that when I just look at these statements on their own. But Danny's taken us through one and a half chapters already, where he shows us through Jesus and what Jesus has done, how these things make sense. They're actually reasonable. Um, so John's built this understanding of these statements from the beginning of book or of the verse one of John of First John. So it's like this: like it's reasonable to know that we're forgiven because God is light, and in Him there is no darkness. So if I've stepped into relationship with Him. Well, of course I'm forgiven, because in him there's no darkness. You know, or uh, it's reasonable because when we walk in the light, we're forgiven and Jesus' blood cleanses us. So if we've been cleansed, it's not that weird to hear I'm forgiven or that I know God, because of course I would. I'm clean, you know? But if we divorce those two statements from each other, then it starts to be like, wait, how do I, how do I ever get there? Um, or, you know, it's reasonable to think this, uh, that, um, that these statements are true because when we love one another, we walk in the light together. You know, so then I, we actually experience these things in moments with really good relationships with each other where when God says, uh, you know, you're forgiven and then I forgive you or you forgive me, I suddenly have this really tangible experience of what forgiveness is like. So these statements start to hit home with us when they're connected to the life of what God has already provided for us, um, like through what Jesus has done, and also through what we've already read and Danny's taught through. Um, 
And even though these things are reasonable, as you're hearing these things, you're like, okay, well, mentally I can assent to, um, you know, that, that God has forgiven me. Um, there's still something that's shifting in this moment. Like God, John's already said these truths, but he's wanting to shift it into our heart level. Um, so John, as someone who would have been reading this letter out loud, he's focusing on the person, like I said, and he wants us to, to confess and declare these things about ourselves, about who we are. So let's just do a really quick practice of this. I want you to turn to someone next to you and say, your sins have been forgiven because of Jesus. Okay? Ready, set, go. All right. Now turn to someone else, not the same person, and say, because of Jesus, you know God the Father personally. All right. So that, that's different. It's different than reading it in our heads like we do when we're reading the scriptures. It's different than me reading it even out loud to you, right? To hear someone who's sitting in church next to you tell you that you're forgiven because of what Jesus has done, it sounds a little different. It's a little awkward to hear too, but it's cool, right? And, and to have someone else turn to you and say, like, you know God the Father, it's like, wow, you know, that hits something in your heart, both when you hear it from someone else's mouth and also when you say it to someone else. And I think that's kind of the type of focus that John has right here. Um, he wants us to know in our walk with him these truths personally. So that was just really refreshing, even for me to hear you guys do it. Just to be reminded of our identity, it just feels wonderful. Um, there's another aspect of this, so that as we um, share these identities with these identity truth statements with each other, um, these are actually meant to create an effect, a momentum in our community. Um, what I put in the notes are meant to create communities of honor. So it's not. So I, I like that John goes through different age groups, or other theologians will say they're different maturity levels uh, spiritually. I think it can go either way. What I think the most important thing is, is he's teaching you to appreciate each level of, that, of maturity, you know, whether it's physical or spiritual, right? So let me give you an example of this, what a community of honor might look like. So in a church, you might be disrupted by a child at some point, crying or whatever, and, um, but when you hear that little children... Uh, your sins are forgiven for his name's sake, and then you look at a child, there's something in our hearts that respond and can say, oh my gosh, child, like I love how free you are. You know, I can really see in you how you know that Jesus has forgiven you. And you know that in a refreshing way for me that I've forgotten. It's similar with a young adult, right? They listen to crazy music, or you know, they have funny thoughts about things, or wear different clothes. But you can look at a young adult and say, look how strong you've become. I've known you for years, and I really, uh, and I see you now, you really know the word of God. And the enemy's no match for you now. I can see it, because look, you were a child, but now you're a young adult. You know, and, uh, and some with a father or mother or mentor figure. Um, people, young adults, children can look at those older and be like, wow, I don't know how to connect with you. Or you have different thoughts about the world than I do. 
There's a distance between that. But John's saying that we can also respond with, wow, we so need your wisdom because you've known Jesus for so many years. You've known him in seasons that I haven't yet even walked through. So there's these communities of honor that, that these words of John can create that allow us in, um, to have a deepened value and appreciation for each other. And it's not just for each other, but it's for actually what God has done in each other that's displayed over the life um, of a church over years. Um, so there's something that's really cool. Um, in John 13, okay, so let me, let me clarify. Jesus also exemplifies this, that as you understand your identity, these identity statements, it changes the way that you interact with other people and with the world. Um, in John 13, uh, just verses 1 through 3, before Jesus washes disciples' feet, which is kind of like a mind-blowing thing that Jesus would do this, um, this is what Jesus knows about himself. So he has truth statements, identity um, statements that he already understands deep in his soul. And this is what it says in, first, or not first John, in John chapter 13. It says, now before the feast of the Passover, Jesus, knowing that, his, knowing that his hour had come, that he would depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And then it says again, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come forth from God and was going back to God, he got up from supper and laid aside his garments and taking a towel, he girded himself, poured water into a basin, and began to wash his disciples' feet. So there's something about us as individuals in our life stage, and then as a church, as our identity becomes clear, as we absorb these truth statements into our heart, we, we just like Jesus, can live in our purpose or abide. We can make home with God. We would feel probably uncomfortable to wash each other's feet right now, right? But with the life of God living in us, we would know how to respond to the situation at hand, just like Jesus did. And, it, and we get one of the most beautiful moments with Jesus and his disciples because Jesus knew who he was. And as we receive that, we can walk in a similar way. And not just as individuals, as a community as well. And Jesus, so the, the second part of 1 John bleeds into this passage about the world and do not love the world. And, um, it, it almost seemed, when I was studying it, frustrating at times because I'm like, well, how do all of these like, kind of like poetical truth statements fit with the do not love the world, the world's full of these desires and um, lust and uh, pride and... Um, but as I looked at Jesus, it suddenly made sense. Jesus understood who he was through the Father, and then he engaged with the disciples who were in the world, and through that brought them out of the world. Right? It is, and uh, I'm going to explain this a little more, but Jesus is the perfect example about how to engage well with the world. Um, let me read briefly 1 John 2, 15-17, so you guys are reminded of the text. It says, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, the pride of life, is not from the Father, but is from the world. 
and the world is passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. So why would Jesus or John here say, do not love? Isn't Jesus loving? Doesn't it say in the book of the Gospel of John that God so loved the world? So this is a confusing, it was really confusing for me in some ways until I looked at the Greek. The word world here in Greek isn't like earth or humanity. It actually is the word cosmos with a K, K-O-S-M-O-S, or cosmos, yes. Um, the corrupt, so this is the way it can be defined. It's the corrupted systems, culture, and desires that surround us. The corrupted systems, cultures, and desires that surround us. Or what I would like to call it is the, dis- the disordered world. So it's, it's a world that's disordered apart from God's ordering of things. And that's why Jesus would see this so clearly. Um, so we are easily captivated by the disordered world. Like we talked about, like that song Joe sang earlier, it goes through so many different circumstances, our pace in life, the things we're thinking that just like start to pull us away from God, the desires we have that pull us away from God. All of these things captivate us in two ways, overt and covert ways. Overt are probably easy to, to mention, right? Like he talks about lust of the eyes or the, the, the desires of the eyes. You know, you, greed, money, you know, lavish lifestyles, high success rates or whatever, all these things. Um, there's, we can all point to society, even Hollywood can point very easily to the overt ways um, that the world, that the disordered world shows up. But it's harder to point to the covert ways that the world shows up. Um, and I think one of the issues in the church is that we have often, it's been more easy for us to point to the overt ways that the world has, the disordered world has presented itself rather than to assess the covert ways that, that's hap- that the world has affected us. And that is... Um, a lot more work, but that's actually going to be the work of abiding. That's, that's Danny talked uh, last two weeks ago, and he talked about the work of cleansing. Even that song talked about the work of cleansing, being washed in these areas. Um, I, I think these covert ways mostly rest in our internal thoughts and motives that contradict our true identities. So it's, it's that part of us that hears these truth statements and, go, and says, what, really? You know, there's something in us that's been so marked by the disordered world that the thing that God says about us that's the most true, we can barely even hear it. We can barely even digest it or swallow it. So I, th- I think to resolve this idea of do not love, I think John's saying do not love the overt ways of the disordered world and do not love the covert either. So you're not loving these ways that the world is distorted that you can point to easily, and you're also not loving the ways that the world has implanted itself in your own walk, in your own personality. Oh my gosh. And the op- so then what option do we have? So we're not to love this we're inside of us. We're not supposed to love this outside of us. 
And I would suggest that John, here at the end, when he says the world is passing away along with his desires, he says, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. So there's this idea of being able to choose something better. So we're not choosing the overt, we're not choosing the covert, but we're choosing something better. And um, Eugene Peterson, I think, does an amazing job of um, translating this same passage we just studied. And um, I wanted you guys to hear the way that he words this in the message. It says, do not love the world's ways. Do not love the world's goods. Love of the world squeezes out love for the Father. Practically everything that goes on in the world, wanting your own way, wanting everything for yourself, wanting to appear important, has nothing to do with the Father. It just isolates you from Him. The world and all its wanting, wanting, wanting is on the way out. But whoever does what God wants is set for eternity. So here's our challenge today. As we, as a community, hear these truth statements and receive them from each other, the challenge is to learn to live in them in such a way to, in, in our heart level that we're able to engage with the world rather than to disengage from the world. We're able to walk and wash the feet of the world rather than walk away from the world. And I think that is what abiding looks like. Um, there's one more verse I would like to read, and I'm actually um, going to read it as a prayer over us to end. Okay, would you guys bow with me? from Romans 12, and it's also the message translation. Jesus, we, uh, we love hearing you this morning, and uh, I'm reminded of how busy our hearts can be and how guarded our hearts can be. And we know that's because there's been disappointment in this world, there's been discouragement, there's been trauma, there's been uh, fearful things that have come at us threatened us. We also have hard relationships that are around us, and we just have the pressures of everyday life. So with your help, we're going to make this scripture our prayer right now. With you helping us, help us, Jesus, to take our everyday, ordinary life, our sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life and help us to place it before you as an offering. Embracing what you can do for us, because we know that's the best thing we can do for ourselves and for you. Don't let us become so well-adjusted to our cultures that we fit into it without even thinking. Instead, help us to fix our attention on you. And we know because of our attention and our relationship with you will be changed from the inside out. Help us to readily recognize what you want from us and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around us that always drags us down to its level of immaturity, God, would you bring the best out of us and develop well-formed maturity in each of us and in our body as a church. Thank you for this time together this morning. We pray these things in your name.
Thank you for listening to the High Street Community Church weekly message. We hope you were encouraged to follow Jesus. For more, please subscribe to our podcast or visit us online at hscchurch.org.